Today is Friday, October 13th, and this is episode 5. Hi, Josh. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Uh, so, um, I'm going to talk about uh, the transition to farming and the farming trap and what that means. Uh, but we're going to start off uh, again sort of where we left off last time, which was the uh, development of modern humans uh, and how we developed uh, abstract thought and the ability to uh, make advanced tools and that this coincided with art and probably a uh, transition to uh, what we would call modern language uh, in the sense of uh, being able to convey abstract ideas. So we're using abstract ideas in our language, we're putting them on the walls of our caves, and we're using them to understand uh, the world around us and improve our technologies. So fish hooks and needles that I talked about last time. Uh, so all of this is happening uh, at sort of the end of the Middle Stone Age, Middle Paleolithic. Uh, it was about 130,000 years ago in a period called the Eemian Inter Interglacial. And it was super warm then. So we're in the middle of two glacier, uh, glacial times and all of the uh, genes that had sort of been happening all over Africa, around skulls, the beginning of chins, these language genes, they're all coming together and mixing because the population is doing really, really well. And so uh, during this time, uh, all of these characteristics come together into into the modern human with a with a round forehead and a and a chin and a flat face and uh, you know a, 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 a smart brain with you know thinky thoughts that they can paint on the walls. Um, all of this is happening uh, roughly the same the same period of time, and then stuff gets bad and the glaciers come back. And this is a colder period than any before. Each each wave of glaciers goes further and is colder than the last one. So so we had been we had been making steady advances both both in our physiology as well as in social group dynamics. Right. Well, this is a. And then we're then we're slammed by a new a new thing. So this this is this is a this new is ice age essentially. Yeah, this is a, this is um, a, a a theme in our history that things are good. We expand our populations, and usually associated with getting colder, things get really bad, and it gets dry, and and we have to change. So that happened the first time when we went on the Serengeti. It happened a second time when the um, uh, the ice ages started two million years ago. Is when we got the big brains. Uh, and then it happened again uh, at the end of the Eemian Interglacial. And so now it was time to move because our population was crashing. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were, everyone was dying because there was, there was no water, uh, the, the, the game was dying, uh, all the food was dying. Uh, and so uh, waves started to leave Africa. And so it was probably multiple waves uh, with one uh, leaving about 100,000 years ago uh, that um, brought these new genes uh, the, for abstract thought to the Neanderthals. But in that first wave, the Neanderthals won and the humans disappeared, leaving Neanderthals with a few new capabilities. So you start seeing Neanderthal art at about this time. Mm -hmm. You see handprints on the walls. Uh, so there definitely seemed to be something that humans had invented that allowed this kind of uh, abstract uh, approach, uh, uh, burials, um, uh, the idea of, 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 of thinking about the world outside of yourself, not purely as you know you yourself, but you know what what are the, what are the animals I'm chasing? Can I can I represent them in some way? How do I talk about them? This seemed to have now left Africa, uh, and then the other thing they got was uh, some of the human mitochondria. So that's how we know this is it actually happened. We can find human mitochondria in the Neanderthals, but all of the humans disappeared, uh, and then again this happened again around sixty thousand years ago. Now we were at this point 
Homo sapiens. We were Homo sapiens by now, yeah. So certainly... We had tried once, we interbred a bit, and then just couldn't make it. Couldn't make it, yeah. And so then we tried again 60,000 years ago, and our populations right now are, are, are at the lowest point ever. So Homo sapiens has been reduced to almost nothing. There's, there's you know, maybe a, a few hundred thousand of us in total, uh, and 60,000 of us over a period of probably a couple thousand years managed to leave Africa... Um, Interestingly, you know, through through uh, 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 the Middle East, uh, so you know, Egypt, Israel, uh, Oman, Saudi Arabia, these are the places we're moving into, uh, and it's where we meet the Neanderthal and interbreed with them, and then uh, quickly start wiping them out. This is the second time. This is the second time. Our 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 our, our second second leave. So now we have entered into an ice age world. Um, as we're as we're moving into it, we we wipe out the Neanderthals. What, what is they're it, gone. What is it that changed between the first time and the second time that allowed us to wipe them out instead of just die? Uh, who knows? Uh, could have been luck. Um, my, it could have been improved technology. There's some evidence that um, we fought a war for five thousand years in one of the valleys in France and actually developed uh, something like arrows. There are small little triangular tips that would only make sense for something like an arrow, maybe a dart, but more probably an arrow. Uh, a super advanced technology that would have been very use useful against the Neanderthals. And even that technology didn't allow us to survive there long enough, but they didn't push us entirely out that time. And so it was probably a, a, a matter of who was evolved for a particular habitat. We were Africans. So we were Africans uh, with dark skin moving into a cold area. Uh, that was very difficult for us. Uh, we were acquiring some Neanderthal genes. They helped us. Uh, we um, there's some groups in the Middle East that acquired um, uh, very uh, uh, pale skin. Um, that actually didn't move into Europe until about four thousand years ago, uh, coming from the Middle East. Um, and uh, we acquired some um, immune system uh, improvements from the Neanderthal. So things that would be helping us in a new world. But we did not change our language genes. They were strongly selected for. The ones we brought with us out of Africa did not merge with Neanderthal language genes. Uh, they, they stayed purely human because any change was a bad change. Uh, and so we had this collection of genes. We moved into the new world. We used our sophisticated technologies to get us through these hard winters. We were living in caves often, particularly in Spain, south of France. Uh, other groups were moving uh, to Indonesia, also living in caves. Uh, so we find the art actually, you know, perhaps from uh, some racist preconceptions, but more probably just because um, the caves in Europe showed things like a mastodon, whereas the caves in Indonesia showed the same animals that still live there today. So we didn't assume they were older. Uh, and so we thought all of this old art started in Europe. But now we know that um, the earliest cave art is actually being found in Malaysia and Indonesia, in Sulawesi. Uh, and it shows the animals that still live there today because they weren't in the same kind of, uh, you know, climate change as mm. Europe was, right? So Europe was in the middle of a major right. ice age with very different animals. Uh, and a huge pressure from the humans living there on those animals. Uh, and so they changed a lot after the Ice Age, where Indonesia's tropical, Malaysia's tropical. So those animals didn't change. And so what we see there is, is uh, uh, the first art, and we've only recently, really within the last five years, realized that this is true, that it wasn't Europe. It was everywhere humans were going and everywhere where they lived in a place like a cave where you could paint on the wall and it wouldn't get decayed. I'm sure we were painting on everything we saw, like trees, <laughs> but the trees didn't last. 
So uh, only only the cave painting survived, and uh, you know our preconceptions was that it was all Europe, and now we understand it was everywhere we went. So it was these new technologies associated with uh, the abstract thought, with the ability to make art, with the ability to imagine the world around us in a different way, uh, presumably that allowed us to spread into this very harsh world. We were a tropical species, uh, and we were moving into Ice Age Germany, um, and it was very very cold. We were looking at mile high glaciers. Uh, there were huge furry animals and people who were just as smart as us already living there who would also kill us. And we, we beat them all. <laughs> we, we killed the cave bears in the caves. We moved into their caves. We, we killed the Neanderthals. We moved into their caves. And um, by 40,000 years ago, we were the dominant species. And so... Uh, we, we sound terrible. Um, we're also great. I mean, you know, we're so we're 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 so flexible. You know, we we were we're we're building these communities that live together and can survive under very harsh conditions and wiping out everything in our path that isn't us. Yes, uh, and then and then fighting each other. I'm sure, um, but uh, also you know learning how to build culture and to uh, trade with each other. So there are trade goods that are now moving across uh, thousands of miles already. Uh, so um, uh, jade is moving from uh, the Alps to uh, Northern England uh, or, or by, by uh, you know, 6,000 years ago. Uh, so we're, really? we're, we're building communities, uh, we're building trade networks, um, and eventually, as the climate begins to warm again, we move into a uh, whole new sets of uh, abilities. Uh, first, starting with um, uh, growing grain. So around um, you know ten thousand years ago or so in uh, northern Turkey, um, in uh, Anatolia, uh, near Mount Ararat, uh, interestingly. Uh, the um, uh, uh, first wheat develops. It's just a weird mutation, you know. You have two parents, I have two parents, I have two sets of chromosomes from my two parents. Wheat has six parents. Uh, it's not something that biology would predict, so it really just happened kind of weirdly. But it happens every once in a while, particularly in plants. Corn did something similar. Uh, and when it does, you get more genes, which makes bigger food. And if we cultivate it, it can survive. It's not great if something's living in the wild because there's other factors on it. But once you find this wonderful, strange new mutation, you can keep it going. And so... Um, we used to think that we would start off with something like a city that would require agriculture to uh, keep it going and that you would then get cities growing from the agriculture uh, and you would then have specialization and you would develop things like pottery and things like that. So it was uh, farming, population, cities, technologies. But that's not... We now are finding out that what happened in, in, um, in Anatolia was actually ceremonial centers where hunter-gatherers were coming around things sort of like a Stonehenge and living in these areas and wiping out the grain to the point where they needed new sources of food. And because they were always throwing their stuff into the same garbage heaps, the, 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 the grains that grew out of this, they discovered they could eat it. They also discovered they could ferment it into beer. So what the, really at the very beginning of time <laughs> is beer because... Because uh, if you if you throw the beer into the fire and dry it, you have bread. Or if you just let it rot and sit next to you, it's beer. And so these 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 ceremonial parties uh, were based if on. You throw the, the wheat into the fire. Well, you soak right. it because it's right. too hard. You can't just eat wheat. So you right. soak it in some water so it's softer. And then you think, ah, I I can soften meat with fire. How about if I start softening my grain with fire? 
and it might boil, um, but it might solidify into this sort of burnt lump of stuff. And you discover things like natural yeasts will make it bubble up and then it's tasty. And so it's, it's a very short distance from soaking grain mm -hmm. to seeing those bubbles to drinking it mm -hmm. and it's alcohol or burning it and it's bread. It's the same thing. Uh, and uh, so it's been with us since almost the beginning of community. Right. So the, the, these, these um, hunter-gatherer ceremonial groups were starting with farming to make themselves beer for their ceremonies. Uh, but then because their populations were doing so well, they wiped out all the, all the game around them. And so then they became uh, obligate hunters. So they obviously got farmers. They could no longer subsist on, on, um, uh, on the, the, the wild game. And they had to move to farming. And this is why it's a farming trap. Once you start farming... It's easy to live in a place, and as a hunter-gatherer, you're hungry all the time, and that gets you out of the cave, into the danger where all the nasty animals are, and then you go kill something and run back to your cave as fast as you can. Whereas if you're a farmer, you have food all the time. You have it stored. You can keep your grains in a place and keep them stored. But now you get all the other problems because you're living in one place. You no longer um, can move from place to place where there's new game, so you've killed all the animals around you. And so now you're even more obligated to eat that grain. What happens when there's a drought? Your whole valley will die. Uh, what happens when there are a flood and your, and, your, and your crops that are in the lowlands wash away? Again, the whole valley can get, die. So the farmer's life becomes much more precarious. Uh, our bodies shrink. We become smaller because uh, when, there's a, when there's a famine, uh, only, the, only the smallest people survive because you need less calories to live. And so we went from hunter-gatherers, you know, six foot tall with 1350 cc brains to farmers who are, you know, five feet tall and our brains were, you know, 1100 cc's. Over how much time? Say 4,000 years, 5,000 years. So that the, seems shockingly fast. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't so much a genetic change as it was very strong selection. Uh, a lot of it could be what's called epigenetic changes, where if you starve a mother, the offspring will have uh, changes that aren't are in the genes, but can be actually inherited to the way mm. you, 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 you take in uh, you know, sugars and your metabolism works. All of these things uh, can, can be passed down even without a genetic change. And there were also genetic changes. So there was a very rapid selection for smaller people because we no longer had sources of high-quality proteins because we were no longer hunters and we were stuck as farmers. And uh, many of the myths that we have relate to this. So we're, we're, we're building these communities. We're building the beginning of civilization uh, as at the same time we're putting tremendous pressure on ourselves. Our, our populations are, are growing, you know, doubling every hundred years or so. Uh, and so over in a few thousand years, we have tremendously big populations that can only live by farming. We've shrunk um, and we've developed all of the evils of farming. So large populations living in the same in the same place, you have waste problems, right? You're, 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 you're drinking dirty water, especially once you get animals involved with it. Uh, so you're drinking the dirty water from them. So we have, you know, cholera and all these other diseases um, uh, that are able to spread through communities. Um, we have real warfare. Up until this time, it would have been raiding pro probably for uh, more women, right? So if you have a, um, a polygamous society, the old men tend to have all of the females and the younger ones need to get them somewhere. And so they will go raid the, uh, the next door communities. And so we'd always been doing this. Um, but there was a transition with farming to something where you could actually invade somewhere 
and get real goods from it. You can steal their grain, their stolen grain. That's a value you can carry back with you. You can steal their land. As soon as you have their land, they're no longer hunter-gatherers. They can't just leave and go to the next valley. You've taken something and you've doubled your production. And you can steal the people. You can make them your slaves. And if you have slaves, you can now control a much larger production. You can have a bigger army and you can go do it again. And so you have the uh, development of not just cities and city-states, you used to get walls around your city to protect them with the farms outside, but the people can hide in the city until the, the you know, raiders go away. Um, and you have uh, goods worth stealing from your people to, to, to the grains, uh, to the land itself. And all of these things are coming directly from farming. So our lives became, uh, in many ways, much more difficult. Uh, we're, we're periodically starving to death uh, every time we, 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 we uh, have, have a drought. We're also destroying our environment. Any place where farming starts, you see erosion because we've chopped down the forests and all the hillsides get denuded. And so you go from these lush forests to something that looks like Greece today, where you see open rocks everywhere uh, because the, the, the soil just gets washed off the hillsides. And you can see it every anytime people move in, you see huge amounts of sediment happening in association with, with uh, pollen that you would associate with uh, you know, rise of agriculture in an area. So um, we're, we're environmentally destructive everywhere we go from the very beginning. We wipe out the larger animals all around us and we uh, destroy the soil. And so farming civilizations periodically collapse due to uh, uh, environmental destruction. Uh, for example, they think uh, the Anasazi were weakened during a, a prolonged drought, um, not just because of the drought, but because if you live in a desert and you irrigate the desert, the irrigation itself builds up salt in the soil. As the water evaporates, it leaves the salt behind, and there's nothing you can do about it. And the longer the drought lasts, the worse it gets. And so a whole civilization can collapse, and it's probably happened numerous times due to changes in climate. So again, climate driving the way we live is... is, is uh, uh, always been part of uh, the human experience and is very important to how we live where we do and how we look the way we do. So and it's directly, again, connected to farming. To farming, yes. And, and with farming, it becomes most important because we're now we're trapped in it. There's no, there's no getting away from it. And anytime we have the ability to get away from it, we do until we trap ourselves again. So, for example, um, the uh, Maori, uh, when they go to New Zealand, they were farmers. They were, they were Polynesian farmers. They get to, uh, or Micronesian, depending on which group you want to put people in, uh, and they get to New Zealand and they immediately become hunter-gatherers again because there's large flightless birds everywhere and they can hunt them down. And uh, it's a great way to live. And it only lasts a few hundred years. They wipe out all the uh, large, easy-to-eat animals, and they become farmers again. And so this is our, what we've done over and over again. We did it in the Americas. When people first colonized the Americas, they were hunter-gatherers. They wiped out all the, all the, all the mammoths and all the, all the ground sloths. And when they, uh, all these large, easy-to-eat animals were gone, they moved to bison and other animals. But again, uh, eventually, they moved to farming and they, they ended up with uh, sort of a permanent farming transition. Actually, it's interesting. Um, some of the Native American groups, I would say, managed a more sustainable approach than most other groups have done, where they were able to have um, a, uh, a development of farming and not completely destroy the environment around them, where they had managed uh, burns in areas. They kept uh, forests for hunting. 
uh, that were not inhabited. And then they had areas that they did their farming with squash and the, and, and, and corn. And so they were able to have a supply of uh, food in that way. And so it was, a, it was a really interesting thing that was developing, uh, particularly in the Northeast, um, but in, in several areas uh, where uh, they had actually figured out a way to have the best of both worlds, where you're not starving because you have a, a reserve from uh, farming and you have uh, the high quality food that a uh, hunter-gatherer can bring in because they hadn't killed all their deer and they hadn't killed all their moose and there was still forest bison, larger than the plains bison, uh, wiped out as soon as the European settlers got here. Um, but of course. Of course, exactly. No, again... We, we're terrible people, but every once in a while we figure out a way to live better and it really works and it becomes sustainable, meaning you can keep doing it for a thousand years and you don't destroy everything around you. But you need a very productive, stable climate, for example. All right, we're moving into a new period yeah, that's not... I would not... also assume you need a, a, a fairly limited population. Like you have once... to keep your population in control uh, and you, you can't have um, major changes to uh, your habitat. So you can't go through... So it's, all, it's all very delicate balance. It's very delicate balance. You can't go through a 50-year drought. Um, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, and the first thing that's going to go is all of those animals you are working very hard to sustainably keep around you um, because now everyone's hungry and now you're really trapped. Right. Now you need to farm more. Now you need to farm more. Right. And so this happens over and over again. Uh, and that's why I say, in, in for example, uh, uh, in places like Greece where there's been you know, the whole history of civilization, uh, you have uh, periods of farming with periods of uh, huge amounts of erosion, followed by probably a collapse. So, for example, the Bronze Age collapse, some people think was associated with, with the destruction of all the civilizations, uh, and uh, that this would have ended farming in peri particular areas, lasted for hundreds of years, so the trees grew back. And so the erosion went away. And so the env environment improved again. But then civilization comes back and everything gets denuded again. Uh, so there's the, these, 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 these periods. Round and round we go. Round and round we go, but with this sort of constant ratcheting forward, hopefully, of understanding ourselves and making more sustainable cities and more sustainable uh, uh, environmental interactions. If we have any way of keeping that knowledge over time, which we don't seem to be very good at, and well, it's, it's interesting because we do actually have deep, deep myths of this transition. So uh, Jacob and Esau in the, in the Bible. Uh, Esau was the hunter-gatherer. You know, he was, the, he was the, uh, the hunter traveling in the wilderness, and he comes home hungry. And uh, Jacob says, sure, I'll give you a, a, a bowl of porridge in exchange for your birthright. And thus there are no hunter-gatherers. So they traded a bowl of porridge for the birthright. They know this happened. Uh, and it's, 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 it's right there in the Old Testament. Uh, so, you know, these, these, these are things we, we, we know about, right? We, we know about it um, in the Old Testament also when, when, when Adam and Eve are kicked out. What's the first thing that uh, they're, 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 they're forced to do is, 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 is Adam has to work for his food from the sweat of his brow. He has to farm. 
Eden was hunting, hunting and gathering. Now, now Adam has to farm, right? So these these are our myths. We totally understand what's going on. One of the most interesting ones uh, is in uh, ancient Egypt. So the Egyptian civilization starts around 5,000 years ago, and it's not a coincidence that at that same time there was a uh, an extended cooling period uh, that made the Sahara become much drier. And so uh, hunting and gathering became more difficult because what had been something like the Serengeti where the Sahara is dried out to the current desert and people had to move along the river. And the only way to get enough food living on a river was to start farming. And so they went from a hunter-gatherer society to a river-based farming society very quickly and became the Egyptian civilization. And in their myths, they talk about uh, how Ra, the sun god, lived with the people, but... Uh, they did not worship Ra properly, and didn't, he didn't get the respect that they needed. And so the Eye of Ra, uh, which is the sun, became Sekhmet, the uh, female goddess who is a lion. And she is the lion of the desert. And where she walks, everything burns. And so Sekhmet came and she burned basically what the Serengeti was and turned it into the Sahara. And when Sekhmet burned the Serengeti, Everyone was dying. And so the people took red dye and they filled a lake of beer with it. They made a lake of beer. So again, beer at the transition to farming. They filled a lake of beer, they dyed it red, and they tricked Sekhmet into the thinking it was a lake of blood. And she, and in her anger at the disrespect for Ra, because she was, she was the sun, and she was Ra, and she was Sekhmet, and she was the lioness, powerful female, right? Lionesses. They're the ones who actually do the hunting. She's the one who is is representing hunting and gathering in this uh, idea. So she goes from a hunter female, drinks this beer, beginning of agriculture, beer, passes out and wakes up as Hathor, the, uh, the cow, and holding the sun in her horns. And Hathor eventually becomes Isis holding the sun in her horns. Mm. Uh, so this is, this is, this is a, a transitionary period that we have very much in, in our religion, in our mythology. Uh, we understand that this was a trap we got ourselves into. This is not seen as a wonderful moment. This is seen as a really hard moment. And, uh, you know, many, many, many religions have the idea of things going downhill. And I think it is very much based on this idea of, of the transition from Eden to the tr tr transition to eating of the uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge and becoming farmers uh, and everything becoming hard and no longer being able to just reach out and pick the fruit from the tree. But you now have to work for it. Never thought of this this way. Well, thank you. I th that, that, that's <laughs> where I wanted to get to with, with the farming trap is, is, yeah. is, is trying to explain how our beginning understanding gets us out of Africa gets us into a hunter-gatherer society spreading all over the globe with our, with our art, with our technologies, wiping out everything as we go. And then as, as the Ice Age ends, farming becomes possible. And because we're lazy and because we don't want to be hungry, we turn to it. And that's the trap. Little could we have known. I think we do know. I think we always know. Before. Before we even started farming? We'd... God told us not to eat that fruit. <laughs> Indeed he did. We knew. Because we did it over and over again.
we would become farmers, we become hunter-gatherers, and then we become farmers again. We're lazy. We're lazy. And, and we know. And we will always trade being hungry for Although our birthright. the farming life, from what you say, is the harder life. It is, but you're not hungry. So that's not lazy. We're just afraid of being hungry. We don't want to be hungry. Yeah. That I can understand. Yeah, okay. So it's not lazy. It's actually, yeah, yeah. Hunter-gatherer has more free time. And it's, and it's a better activity. You know, what would you rather do? Like go for a long walk and shoot a bow at a deer and then carry it back and eat it? Or dig holes all day? Yeah. Back-breaking work. Yep. So next time? Yeah, next time. Uh, we'll have to think about where we go from farming. We might talk about uh, adaptations it's done to our bodies, adaptations it's done to our societies. I would love to, uh, I would love to start getting to... Uh, how, you know, these adaptations uh, inform the decisions we have to make today with the bodies we have right now. Absolutely. We're totally, we're absolutely getting there. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you.